2: We are back to another edition of West of the Rocky Sound. Frank, thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but like I said, we got a really, really cool show lineup for everyone tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm doing quite all right. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I want to thank everybody that's tuning in tonight. Um, I appreciate uh, the support and I want to thank everybody who's been signing up to the YouTube channel. We have just posted a really, really cool interview with Todd Newman, who was the director of Dave Navarro's documentary, Morning Sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, if you haven't seen that documentary, definitely, definitely check it out. It's really intense. Intense. One of the the best documentaries I've seen in in a very long time. I'm super uh, proud of those guys. And, uh, you know, the, the interview with Todd was quite interesting, insightful, and uh, funny. A lot of laugh out loud moments there. Mm -hmm. If uh, if you haven't checked it out, definitely go check it out. Tonight, we have another special guest, somebody I'm very excited to have on. We heard about him i believe it was like at this halloween store uh, our good friend ernie alonso from haunted orange county took us to this um halloween store there. that was the first time i heard about his book and obviously we got a chance to meet him there uh, briefly and it's really interesting i mean obviously you know los angeles is such a huge city and tons of bizarre things happen in this metropolis and um uh, there's one section of town that is uh, commonly known as uh East Los Angeles. He has written a book where he has compiled some very interesting accounts of paranormal activity that has occurred in East Los Angeles. And some of the the places that he covers are Evergreen Cemetery, we'll talk about that tonight, Stevenson Middle School, this uh, street where uh, Richard Ramirez was apprehended Mm -hmm. and some very, very crazy stuff has happened or happened there shortly after, uh, you know, his arrest on this particular street. And we're going to talk about that one tonight. And of course, one place that I'm quite familiar with, uh, Linda Vista Hospital, another place that was notorious Plenty of stories there. So. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have Mario Becerra as our guest tonight. I'm going to bring him into the conversation. Mario, can you hear us? Okay.
0: I can hear you just fine. How are you, Frank and Genevieve?
2: We're doing. We're doing good. We're doing yeah, good. Well, we're thanks. we're really happy that that you could be with us uh, tonight to talk about this book, man. Because I I tell you, I was sitting uh, the other day reading this book, and uh, Genevieve walked into the room. And I literally jumped like five feet in the air because I was literally, you just had me (laughs) so terrified reading some of this stuff. How did you begin to compile this? I mean, are you a native of East Los Angeles? Are are these kind of stories that you grew up listening to? Or did you go out, you know, looking for people that had experienced some uh, weird stuff?
0: No, I grew, I, well, I mean, good evening to everybody. And uh, I did grow up in in East L.A. I grew up there, I lived there for 24 years and uh, I moved to Whittier, I live in Whittier now but uh, then you know I have a cousin named Victor, he's a great guy and he's always been into the paranormal still lives in East L.A and uh he started visiting me and started telling me all these stories about East LA and and uh all these hauntings that occur and all these all these different locations evergreen and all the you know all the uh the sensational things he had heard And, you know, over pizza and, you know, some, you know, a couple of beers, we, we started talking and we decided, hey, let's, uh, why don't, why don't you bring me the stories and we'll compile them into a book and just tell these stories and have a lot of fun, uh, you know, listening to all these stories, uh, especially the stories that, you know, you hear these stories growing up and all we did was organize it into a, into a short read, a short book and, uh, you know, Put it out for the public to, to to judge and to read.
2: You had me at pizza and beers, uh, which is <laughs>
0: uh, coincidentally is my favorite <clears throat> method of
2: investigating the paranormal as well. But uh, <laughs> no, that's really interesting because obviously there is a high concentration of the um, Mexican American community in East oh, Los yes. Angeles, and as the culture is right, scary stories are part of the fabric of the Latino culture. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I visited Absolutely. Mexico. Mexico and a couple of occasions and every time I'm down there you know there is no shortage of people who are willing to share some of their crazy paranormal stories that happen and you know honestly you can tell by the level of sincerity that these people have experienced something what was your process for picking the, the accounts that you include in your book, because as you can imagine, I also encounter with my fair share of stories where I am not 100% certain that it can be attributed 100% to a paranormal occurrence.
0: Right, right. Well, the, what we did is Victor, you know, he'd go out and he'd investigate. He'd, he'd talk to people. The stories we chose by and large are stories that could be corroborated by more than one source. So, uh, for example, the Evergreen Cemetery one, or, uh, the one with the lady uh, mm-hmm. that allegedly walks through the cemetery, uh, that was corroborated by a lot of independent sources. So, although we heard a lot of great stories, we tried as much as we could to use those that we could reasonably say, you know, the evidence is, is very strong here that, you know, something is going on here and it needs to be looked further into. So that's, that's pretty much how we, how we determine what stories would go into the book
2: okay so why don't we get into it because you just mentioned evergreen cemetery and to be honest prior to reading your book i didn't know about evergreen cemetery so why don't you give me a little bit of background or a little bit of history on this particular cemetery
0: what's the story well evergreen cemetery it was founded in 1877. it was founded under the condition that a potter's field be included in the construction of the cemetery and for those of you that don't know a potter's field is an area where the unknown, unclaimed corpses are are buried. Uh, so in 1924, the potter's field, all the people that would die on the street that were unknown, they would get buried in, in the corner of Evergreen Cemetery. And, you know, in 1924, the potter's field became so saturated that the county constructed a crematorium. Uh, to burn the substantial number of incoming corpses. Uh, Evergreen Cemetery is the, if I'm not mistaken, the oldest cemetery in Los Angeles. And it was uh, the first cemetery to allow African Americans to be buried in the cemetery. And the beautiful thing about it is that you go now and you can see people of all backgrounds at the cemetery. So it's very, very indicative of the the people that have been in Los Angeles and, and, you know, the the amount of immigrants and the amount of people that continue to come from all over the world uh, to Los Angeles. So that's a little bit of the history of it.
2: Now, in your book, you know, I was reading and, and I just saw the sure. name Bond and I was like, wow, they got James Bond <laughs> on the case. No, but it was, there's a Captain Bond that you mentioned in your book. And uh, apparently he was one of the, the, the first ones to have been sent out. He was, a, I believe, a, a police officer, right? He was a captain in the police force. And, right. Uh, It sounds like he was tasked to investigate the strange sounds and and things that people were hearing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what he found, because I thought that was a bit funny.
0: (laughs) Well, in 1926, people kept hearing things in the middle of the night uh, coming from the cemetery. They'd hear shrieks. They'd hear laughter. And uh, if you're walking by a cemetery and it's the middle of the night and you hear things, You know, noises coming from the cemetery. Naturally, it's gonna, it's gonna scare you. You're gonna wonder what the heck is going on in there. Mm -hmm. So people kept on hearing these, these, what they describe as unearthly shrieks and laughter coming from the cemetery. So finally, they, they, they told the police, hey, we keep hearing stuff. Uh, in the cemetery so this this captain bond he went out and he investigated and what they found was not of supernatural or paranormal origin it was in fact they had a this was during prohibition and they had a a, you know they had a bar you know the the superintendent there was running a bar so what they were hearing were uh, people essentially and they're having a great time during prohibition drinking and Dancing and doing whatever they were doing. And that's what people thought it was paranormal. It was actually more uh, related to, to the joys of alcohol and anything. So that, that was a great story and a good, good part of the history of, of the, the cemetery
2: a few interesting things have happened in this cemetery. Among them, there's an interesting story about some kids that were, uh, you know, I guess you can say they were up to no good one night out there in the cemetery. And uh, apparently, you know, something very strange happened to them. Why don't you tell the, the folks at home a little bit about that story?
0: Well, you know, I, I need to tell the folks that some of the names were changed in the book. So, uh, although I'm saying the names, the, the you know, people told me this story sometimes on condition that I change the name. So uh, it was a gentleman named Gabriel, you know, quote, Gabriel, <laughs> right, right. and uh, his friends Hector and Carlos. They decided to break in to Evergreen Cemetery because they essentially just wanted a nice, quiet place to drink. So, you know, they jumped the fence and they took in some vodka and, you know, they started drinking, they started drinking heavily. And, you know, when they started feeling the effects, they started doing a lot of stupid things with the tombstones, things that, you know, I don't know if when you go to a cemetery, you know I don't know the the etiquette exactly, but I know I have enough sense not to step on any of the tombs or in because it's just it's, I don't know where I learned that from, but I just don't do that stuff. Of course. Well, these kids they were drinking and they started messing around with the tombstones. Uh, they started doing uh, you know things that were you know teenage boys, you know kind of sexual in nature, you know <laughs> right. gyrating and doing things, um, and all of a sudden out of all this uh, disrespect and essentially dishonor of these tombstones—they see about 50 yards from them uh, a dwarf running from one tree to another. So in their wow. in their al- alcoholic stupor, they stopped. They told me, and they said they see this this little dwarf just running from one tree to another, mm-hmm. and they stopped in their tracks. They stopped what they were doing. And they said, you know, we 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 didn't know what the heck to do. I mean, he kept on running from one tree to another, and then getting closer and closer to them. And then uh, they wanted to run, but they said that they were frozen. They just they couldn't move. It was the uh, the fight or flight. Uh, and you know, they 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 were like deers in the headlights. Well, finally, this dwarf, uh, they couldn't, they 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 lost track of him, and then he just basically. Um, you know, stood right in front of them, and when they saw him, he had the head of a goat uh, and he was only like three Jeez. feet tall. And what they, at that point, when they saw the goat head, that's when I guess their instincts kicked in, and they ran for the fences and they got the heck out of there. So that was that was the story with uh, those kids that were <laughs> that were in there drinking.
2: Honestly, the description that they give is like I think he was wearing like a vest and like genie type pants or something like that. And right. it's funny because it reminds me of elves. And throughout history, you hear these stories about elves and these little human-like beings you know it's funny i'll share a story with you talk about uh, visiting mexico i remember uh, this lady sharing a story with me apparently at night she had to be on her guard because she claimed that these little elves would come at night and try to take her her kids away and it's funny because this this type of story, I've heard quite a bit from uh, people in, in Mexico and, and Latin America about these little elves or, or, or dwarves. So for me, it was really strange to hear of such a, a story that's so similar happening, you know, just a few miles from downtown L.A. I mean, it's quite strange, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you hear a story like that, a three-foot dwarf in genie pants with the head of a goat. I mean, right. come on. <laughs> it, it, it,
2: it's like, I'll have what they're having,
0: but... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I smelled them, make sure they weren't drinking, even though they were sincere. <laughs> they were absolutely sincere. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was sensational when I heard it. Yeah. But then, you know, you go online and you research mm-hmm. and... No, it, it in in the world of the paranormal, it, it's it's not a sensational story. People have seen things that are that are way more sensational than that, and mm-hmm. that's why I decided to include it because these these guys, I felt they were sincere. Right about their story, and that's why I decided. You know what? I'm going to put it in the book because that's a great story.
2: Hey, it's a it's a great story, and believe it or not, I think that was the exact story I was reading when Genevieve walked into the door. <laughs> oh I, boy! Oh boy! I was I was in the middle, like my mind was literally like picturing this like elf with a goat head. But anyway, uh, right. no, it's a fascinating story now. In that same cemetery, people have claimed to have seen another type of apparition or entity, which um, to me, it almost, again, going back to like Latin American uh, folklore, it reminds me of La Llorona or or the Weeping Woman. There's an aspect of it that's uh, very similar to that. Why don't you tell me a little bit about this mysterious woman that people have reported seeing, I would say walking through the cemetery, but I think the correct word would be floating through the cemetery.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, people uh, have reported, and and I've heard this story ever since I was a little boy. Uh, And Victor had to, and many people I knew have heard this story. So uh, you know, it's essentially the story of a woman who, you know, you're walking, you know, on the street by the by the cemetery, and you, you know, you're minding your own business. You you know, you're on your way somewhere, and then all of a sudden, you just your eye turns to the cemetery, and you look, and there's a woman in white. I don't know why ghosts always wear white, but they're always in white. But there's a woman in white, and she's walking or floating very slowly across uh, the cemetery. And you see her, and then all of a sudden, she disappears. And people have, have described it as is. it almost seems like there's a projector in the ground wow. projecting her, and then the projector turns off. Oh wow. And then it goes dark. Everything goes dark and as you're thinking what the heck did I just see, you just hear a, a, a howl after that. You know, maybe maybe a few seconds later and mm-hmm. people say after they hear that mm-hmm. howl, that's when they beat it and they just run and they get the heck out of there. Like the like the guys that were drinking vodka and they mm-hmm. jumped the fence. So yeah. and the great thing about that story uh and I talked about corroboration earlier is you know, we we spoke to a lady, a lady, because we put this stuff on Facebook, and the lady who was very, you know, an older lady who mm-hmm. who grew up in East LA, right by Evergreen Cemetery, uh, a Jewish lady. She contacted me and she said, you know, that woman that you mentioned, I saw her when I was a, a, a oh, teenager, wow. which uh, you know, to me, further proved uh, the the story of the woman who walks in the cemetery late at night. So. You know, there you go. That's uh, that's probably the, the most famous story that comes out of Evergreen Cemetery.
2: And it's this story that was the inspiration for the artwork in your book, correct? There's a, a very beautiful, uh, I really don't know if it's a pencil type sketch. But why don't you tell me a little bit about who the artist is and why did you choose uh, that to be the cover of your book?
0: Her name is Gloria Negrete very very talented artist. I've bought uh a lot of her art and it it's on the the walls of of my home and of my office. Uh beautiful artist. Uh I've always felt a kinship with her because her art uh, it, it always spoke to me. You know, it wasn't just that it was it was great, but uh it, I always looked at it and always felt something and I couldn't quite put it into words. So when when I started writing the book, she was the only artist I thought about. Uh, with regard to to doing the the cover art for the book. So I called her up. I said, Gloria, you know, I'm writing this book about Haunted East L.A., and she's from East L.A. too. She's a a longtime resident. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, well, tell me about it. And I said, well, you know, it's blah, 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 and this and that. And she says, you know, why don't you send me some of the stories, and then from that I'll get inspired and draw what I think belongs on the cover. And I said, that sounds great to me because I trust her and I trust her instincts. So I right. said, go for it. Here are the stories, pick one, and then just go for it. Just whatever inspires you. I didn't want to micromanage her in any way. And she did. She went one one afternoon to Evergreen Cemetery with her sketchbook. And, you know, the cover art that she produced just, it floored me. It's just so gorgeous. And uh, I honestly think my book wouldn't be as successful without glorious cover art, because a lot of people look at the cover art and say, wow, what is that? Yeah. Whereas if I had some rinky-dink thing on the cover, I don't think uh, <laughs> half as many people would have noticed my book. So I really, I'm very grateful for Gloria Negrete. She's, her talent has been a true blessing to mm-hmm. my book.
2: It's a great looking cover, I must say, and it does complement very well the uh, the Content of the book, and uh, I must agree with you that it definitely uh, draws you in when you look at it. And uh, to say, as soon as you start reading it, uh, at least I couldn't put it down. Let's talk about one more story out of Evergreen Cemetery because this is, sure. this is, I like this one, and I like it because of the way you explained it to us when we got a chance to meet in person. And that is a story of uh, Michael, and it's one of these cases where you know usually when we talk about the paranormal it has negative connotations or at least not positive ones right but in this case it seems like a paranormal experience actually helped this uh, gentleman by the name of Michael can you tell us a little bit about that and what he
0: experienced absolutely absolutely well you know we spoke to this gentleman and again his name is not Michael Uh, he didn't want us to use his name so I honored that but You know, in in dealing with the paranormal sometimes, uh, you know, I'm not sure sometimes, because, you know, people talk about things being evil or demons or this or that, but I honestly believe that it's the unknown. So even if it may be good, it's still the unknown and Mm -hmm. it scares us. So that's why Michael's story, uh, which is very uplifting, it's, you know, it's a paranormal story, but it's very uplifting. Uh, it, It was important for me to include his story. He had had lost his wife. He was a newlywed, and uh, he, he lost his wife. His wife passed away, and she, you know, they had the, the service at Evergreen Cemetery. They buried her there. And, you know, he would go visit her every day. And, you know, after he'd visit her, he'd walk around the cemetery. It's a beautiful cemetery. You know, you, you have uh, just these, these gorgeous tombstones that are very elaborate, very, very... Uh, You just want to stare at it. And then all the names, you know, from the 18th century, nineteen you know, I'm sorry, from the 19th century, not 18th century, 19th century. Uh, You know, all these names, it's just a gorgeous place. Well, he'd walk around and just kind of look around and, uh, you know, he was contemplating suicide. He wanted to kill himself. He lost his wife and uh, who he dearly loved. And he tells me, you know what, I wanted to end my life. So one day he's, you know, he visits his wife and then he's walking around the cemetery and he's walking by the chapel thinking of suicide. And he just hears Michael in a whisper and he looks around and okay. So he keeps walking. And again, Michael, and he's, he's, he's wondering where the voice is coming from. And finally he hears it a third time, Michael. And he told me, it was the voice of my mom, and his mom had died when he was a little boy. Wow! And he said, "You know, uh, when I heard the voice of my mother, I dropped to my knees and I just started crying." And he said, "I hadn't cried since my wife died." And after all that crying and letting out all that grief, I I finally felt like I could live. I felt like I could move on with my life. And uh, you know, he returned to you know, the comfort of his friends and, you know, I mean, he was still sad, but he says, you know, that was the turning point for me. That was my, my moment where I knew I could, you know, not overcome it because he says, you never get over the right. death of, mm-hmm. a, of, a, of a family member of, of someone course. you love, but I knew I could move on because at the, before that I did not want to move on. So it, it was a gorgeous story because I, I sincerely mm-hmm. believe uh, that, you know, your ancestors, they're around you and that they protect you and they take care of you. Uh so when I heard Michael's story I thought it was a beautiful story and I, I could really not relate to it because I've never had something tragic like that happen to me. But mm-hmm. uh you know, I, I I do believe that like I said, my you know, my ancestors they watch over you or they watch over me and you know, everyone's ancestors who have passed away. Uh I think I think that's part of our our experience as human beings, and certainly Michael experienced it that day.
2: I remember hearing you tell the story, this was before I got a chance to read it, you know, from the book, and uh, it's quite unique. Every now and then you you come across uh, an account like this where somebody has a, uh, you know, there's a positive outcome out of what could potentially scare another, you know, individual. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I found that to be really interesting. So, Evergreen Cemetery, definitely, definitely a very interesting and active place Uh, paranormally speaking now here's another place you cover in your book and um, I'm a bit familiar with this one I've always uh, have said that this is the place where I turn from a skeptic to a believer (laughs) in the paranormal. And I'm talking, of course, about Linda Vista Hospital. This place was, uh, again, another notorious location. If you, you know, pick up a a movie or or watch a TV show, you might see uh, Linda Vista in there playing a a background role Mm -hmm. because it's a very popular filming location. And I've heard from people that have gone there to shoot that, yeah, some weird, crazy stuff has happened to them. And I have my own experiences there, but before we get into some of that stuff, Mario, why don't you tell me a little bit about Linda Vista Hospital for the people that maybe are not too familiar with it
0: well Linda Vista uh is a hospital in Boyle Heights, but I include it in my book Haunted east l a because it's just it is the most notoriously haunted location in in this area I mean people come from all over the country to to investigate it. And to find out what's going on. And yeah, it was, it has been used, not anymore, because now it's a, it's a, it's kind of apartment complexes for older folks, I believe. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when it was an abandoned hospital, a lot of people would use it for, you know, for filming and for a lot of horror stories, because it, it absolutely lent itself. To
2: oh yeah, use. totally. And, uh,
0: you'd look at it from the outside and it had that foreboding quality about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so uh well the history of Linda Vista is that it was uh it was actually a hospital for the for the railroad company the Santa Fe Railroad Company uh and uh in the 80s it it you know it kind of fell not into disrepair but the hospital couldn't accommodate all the emergencies and you know funding fell through and all that so it closed its doors uh, after After servicing the community for such a long time, and after that it, it kind of became a little bit of a mecca for for ghost enthusiasts because uh, you know I know a lot of shows have gone there and they their evidence that they have they have come away with is is really compelling and it's really uh, it 's difficult to to ascribe the things that they that they recorded on on their on their video cameras or on their 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 voice recorders to to anything else but the unexplainable. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, obviously we interviewed a lot of the people that went and, uh, you know, a lot of the stories that they told us are stories that, that we heard or that we have seen on, on television shows, which was, which was kind of cool because that, that was kind of part of the corroboration that I talked about earlier, uh, to have people that are not on TV, who have investigated it, and it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of within the same realm, so you know that uh, something's going on there. Um, But um, when we went there, Frank, and you told me about it, and you told me that this was where you became uh, essentially a believer in the paranormal, uh, I was really fascinated with what you had to say, and I listened to every word that you said, (laughs) because uh, this place, it's hard to put into words, and I'm actually a little bit tongue-tied because such an important place in the paranormal community, especially here in Los Angeles. Yeah. If you can please share, what because honestly, your story is so compelling, and it's a first-person account, <laughs> because I don't have a first-person account. So if you can please share your story. I I would think the listeners would love to hear
2: it well so we're turning the tables now I see how it is
0: absolutely (laughs) I I see what's
2: going on here Mario West of the Rockies with Mario Becerra joining (laughs) he'll be here next Sunday as well no Mario (laughs) like I said it's a place where yeah I definitely had to rethink my my stance on the paranormal I'll try to be uh, as brief and concise as possible back in um, 2011 I probably had done the show just a few months and uh, some had listened to it and they asked me, like, hey, you know, we're having this little paranormal event. Uh, Would you like to come and talk about conspiracies? You know, because at the time, even though I was covering some paranormal stuff, I really didn't have a whole lot of first-hand experience, mainly because I was a bit skeptical about it. So I was like, hey, whatever, you know, let's do it. Sounds like fun. Never heard of Linda Vista prior. I did just a quick Google search and read that apparently was supposed to be haunted. And I'm like, Okay, cool, you know, um, (laughs) showed up. uh, did my thing and um, they told me that, you know, they were having like an overnight investigation and that I was welcome to stay. I had no equipment, obviously nowadays, you know, people who are familiar with paranormal investigation and some of the TV shows, you know, there's a kit that most people have. All I had was uh, my good buddy, Jimmy, We had uh, these uh, flip cams. I don't know if I think they're still being sold. I just checked online, but there were these little flip. They were called flip cams, and um, you know they record in HD, and that's really all we had. So we were literally just walking around this hospital in the dark because you know there was no light, and we kind of tagged along with a couple of groups that we felt like they looked like they knew what they were doing. You know, (laughs) so as we're walking around, we're just recording and. And um, it's funny because, and I'll actually play it, um, we were walking around, I believe it was the third floor, and the third floor had a, a reputation apparently for bad stuff happening we we walk through the whole floor and uh, you know it's a very big hospital building with huge wings and you know at the end of the night you know I get home and I'm going through the files and this in this flip cam and I'm listening to it you know I knew that people have said that you can hear like voices and recordings and stuff and I'm watching the video and all of a sudden something really catches my attention because it was really hard to miss and I realized that there was a spot where in the video, you can see that we're just kind of like walking and we're following these two ladies. And as they're talking in the recording, I hear, I don't know, it sounds like some kind of a, people have described it as a growl or a groan or something along those lines that I tell you, Mario, if I had heard that in real time, everybody in that place would have run out, I think. The fact that for some reason this thing was only captured on our little digital camcorder was really interesting, to say the least. And I'm just going to cue it up here. Um, I hope you can hear it okay, Mario, over the phone line. And uh, I hope that the folks at home can hear it as well. Like I said, you can't miss it. You're going to hear these two ladies talking about some piece of equipment and then something very strange kind of in the background. So I'm just going to hit play and, and uh, let's see if we can hear this. Oh,
1: somebody's got a, somebody's got a, the, what is it you have on your phone? That was the, uh, the Yeah, somebody's got that. I heard it. I heard it. Somebody's got it. I'm telling you.
2: So I don't know how many people caught that. I'm going to play it one more time a little louder. I just kind of put a little bit of compression on it to kind of bring it up. And uh, after, let me see if uh, Mario was able to hear it. Here. Oh, somebody's Still got on. a. Somebody's got a. Dude, what is it you have on your phone? That was the iAudius. Yeah, somebody's got that. I heard it. I heard Yeah, somebody's got that. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, somebody's got that. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. So there is something in the background, just kind of creating a very strange, like I said, throaty type of sound.
0: Oh yeah. And I yeah, remember I, uh, it I, I it. was. I heard it. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, and I remember thinking like, okay, that was strange. Now obviously i don't know if that would have convinced me by itself but what happened at the end of the night and that was a story that i shared with you maria was mm-hmm. what was impressive and that was the fact that we were doing an evp session in the surgical uh, suite in that area of the hospital which uh, by all accounts it seemed to have been one of the most active areas in this hospital um paranormally speaking and um uh, you know, it's funny because I was there with like four team members of the paranormal group that had set up uh, their home base at Linda Vista. And uh, you know, we're sitting there in the darkness when all of a sudden we began to see what looked like a laser pointer at the end of the hall. And mind you, it's pitch black. There's nobody in on that side of the of the building and you know I started looking back thinking somebody must be down the other hall pointing with one of these laser thingies but I couldn't see you know you should be able to see the red dot from the source mm. to the wall you know and there was none of that but somehow there was this little dot and then another dot popped up and they were dancing around at that point they had what they call the Frank's box or the spirit box going and uh, I remember one of the uh, girls there asked you know can I say the name of somebody here and, and they said Frank and I was like, what? And, you know, they said it like two or three times. Later I found out that apparently one of the doctors that was that was killed there, I think, or something or murder, um, his name was Frank as well, which I found kind of creepy. But as that was going on, picture this, we're all sitting in the dark in this abandoned hospital in a kind of like a circle almost, but we're all facing in one direction. And there were four girls of this paranormal group, myself and my buddy Jimmy. My buddy Jimmy was standing off to the side behind me. So as this is going on, literally probably about a six inches away from my face, a male voice going like... <sighs> Literally in front of my face, and I remember I grabbed one of the girls by the arm and like, I squeezed her, <laughs> and I was like, "What was that?" And she, and the thing is that they were excited. They were like, they they were having a blast. They were like, "Oh my god, this is," and you know, this is like my first time experiencing this kind of thing, and I'm like, you know, freaking out a bit. And all of a sudden, you know, as we're looking down this hallway, and this was the real strange part that on the side between you know these two doorways on the wall. I began to see this swirling pattern forming. It was almost like if you take spray paint, that silver white spray paint, that's the best way I can describe it. It's like as if somebody was using one and just spraying these kind of swirls and it was moving and again the girls are fascinated they're like oh my god you're doing so good thanking whatever was <laughs> manifesting and in my head I'm thinking what if something comes through this freaking because <laughs> they look like a portal to me you know what i mean? <laughs> so that happened and I was asking my, my buddy Jimmy I was like are you recording this you know because he had the flip cam he recorded this whole thing but it was just pitch black mm. and you know it wasn't like a night vision camera or anything like that so unfortunately you can't see anything but boy can you hear my reactions at time and like I said this swirling pattern went on for a few minutes until it disappeared and afterwards um, you know the girls because they have been doing you know paranormal investigations for a long time they have this method of they kind of split up and one of them went to each one to hear what they saw just to kind of make sure that everybody saw the same thing mm-hmm. and it looks like everybody did see the same thing man and you know to this is I don't know what it was. I Mm. I was fortunate enough to go back to Linda Vista on a few more occasions after that, but I never experienced anything remotely to that level of Activity, to say the least. (laughs) So that's my Linda Vista story. But why don't we talk about one of the Linda Vista stories in the book? Because there is one that I believe also takes place in the surgical suite. And uh, this happened to two gentlemen that go by the name of Nick and Joey in the book. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely, and you know what? Thanks for sharing, Frank. Because uh, you know, it's one thing for me to read it from the book, mm-hmm. secondhand, but to hear the first—you know—you were there. You experienced it. It's it's just wonderful to hear it. So thank you so much. That was It's a great story, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad you put it out. No, there. it's
2: my pleasure. My pleasure. No, no. Thank you for uh, allowing me to share it in the time that we had for you. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad it contributes something to this. Linda Vista chapter, but why don't you tell me about Nick and Joey and what they experienced down there?
0: Sure. Well, Nick and Joey, they, uh, you know, the the surgical suite, very active, very active. And uh, you know, what they experienced in there was that they went into the surgical suite and they started hearing a whimpering, a little girl crying. And the funny thing about it was they didn't think they were listening to anything paranormal. Literally, they thought there's a little girl in here and we need to help her. That's Mm -hmm. how clear the crying was. So, you know, Nick and Joey, they said, you know what, man? We were like, dude, we got to get this little girl out of here. I think she snuck in here somehow and she's stuck and she doesn't know how to get out. Wow. Mm -hmm. So they went around looking for a, a mortal little girl. And uh, when they couldn't find her, they realized, you know what, there's no little girl here. That's just one of the paranormal occurrences that happened to us. But, you know, the thing is, they said that when you when they've experienced paranormal uh, occurrences or activity, it's not that clear. It's much more opaque. It's much more, uh, you know, you kind of wonder what you're hearing. Is, did I hear what I hear? Did I see what I see? But this was so clear, so demarcated in terms of it being a little girl, that they thought they needed to help a human being. So, I mean, that that story uh, gave me a you know a lot of goosebumps because it's just you know this you hear a child crying, and as a good human being, you don't want to help the child get out or help the you know help a child in need. It's just in our nature. But apparently, it was some kind of apparition that they heard.
2: You know, it's really child. it's really interesting because that uh, that reminds me of. Uh... Several conversations I had with the uh, paranormal group that uh, investigated Linda Vista for, for the longest period of time, I think. And they reported hearing this little girl and I can't um, I mean, I, I apologize if I'm making uh, a mistake in my retelling of the story. But I think um, the gist of it was that this little girl was hit by a car on the street you know, right in front of Linda Vista, I believe. And people have uh, interacted with this entity that appears to be a little girl. A few months back, uh, we had the pleasure of interviewing an amazing artist by the name of James Picard. And he was actually just recently featured in an episode of uh, the TV show Ghost Adventures, where they investigate this place here um, in uh, LA called Casa de Rosas. And uh it's funny because when we were interviewing him he does this uh exhibit a series of exhibits called The Dark and the Wounded and it's some very I mean it's just some fascinating fascinating artwork the man is it's a genius when I you know he's master so many uh art mediums is not even funny and uh, he displays this particular series in some very heavy correct that that, that is the, the word heavy places. And one of them was Linda Vista Hospital. So he was telling us about how he was down there, I believe on, on the same area of the surgical suite, and he was just painting and he says that he just found himself painting like a, a little girl, I, I believe. Yeah, no. Um, well, he he was saying, you know, he usually just paints what comes to his mind and he rarely, you know, paints from something in front of him. He He visualizes something and just goes ahead with it and yeah he he said he was painting little girl he thought nothing of it you know that that's just what he does he thinks of something and he paints it so they had sent a reporter I can't remember from what news source to interview him and you know he's down there painting waiting for the reporter to arrive and he says that the reporter never arrived later you know he got a hold of the reporter and the reporter said that you know while she was walking down the, the hallway fact she did arrive <laughs> yeah she got there she was walking down the hallway to to the surgical suite where James Picard was waiting when all of a sudden she heard the laughter of like a little girl Mm. and she like ran out and again I apologize I'm paraphrasing the story but you can listen to that interview on her website or our YouTube channel it's really interesting our interview with James Picard point is when we told him well he there was uh, yeah he had no idea I told him like oh you know it's interesting because there are reports that a little girl was hit in front of the the hospital and that that's the entity that they see so he was floored because he says that while he was down there he just felt compelled to paint this little girl the <laughs> And lo and behold the reporter shows up and like has some kind of experience where she hears or you know has some interaction with what looks like a little girl and he didn't even know that yeah. the story is that a little girl was hit by a car in front of Linda Vista wow. so yeah you know there's a lot of uh, you know but since you're a fan of corroborating there's another one right <laughs>
0: <laughs> But you know and that's that's what's great about it there you go yeah. I mean I had never obviously I've never heard that story but you know uh, the fact that that can corroborate what's in the book uh you know it makes it more that that more that much more compelling Mm -hmm. which is wonderful uh Wow, what a what a crazy story. So this is a guy just painted. Yeah. And he just paints from what you know he sees in his mind or what he's feeling or and he painted a little girl. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: So wow. yeah, like I said, and, and for the folks at home that wanna check it out, go to our YouTube channel it's YouTube.com for slash WTR radio or go to the website wtrradio.com, and you'll see our interview with James Picard where and we talk about that. Just as a disclaimer, it's not a paranormal interview of any kind. Yeah. But I'm of the opinion that he genuinely has some sort of gift yeah i mean some sort of ability or if you want to call it sixth sense but he's able to pick up on things but it's nothing that he's ever um said or worked on or you know yeah. advertised but that that's the vibe I get. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, James Picard, and and again, that story was really interesting. And yeah, check it out if if people want to want to listen to a, another spooky tale from mm-hmm. Linda Vista. That's uh, that's another good one. Mario, we are at the top of the hour, so we're gonna take a quick break and uh, play a few tunes. Uh, would you be so kind to hang on the line?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm having a lot of fun. I,
2: I hope so because we're, well, <laughs> I, I wish I could say that we're having fun but honestly I'm sweating and I'm scared because, yeah, every time, <laughs> you know, some of this stuff, uh, I, I, I can tell that Linda Vist's story a million times but every time I tell it, it's like I'm reliving the, the freaking experience. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just hang on the line and uh, we're going to be right back in just a few minutes. We're going to go to break with this next track, which is one of my ultimate favorite Jane's Addiction tracks and uh, you know shout out to uh, Dave and Todd I want to again encourage people to check out the interview we had with uh, Todd Newman director of uh, Dave's documentary Morning Sun that that interview was a lot of fun and very insightful and uh, as I said in that interview you know growing up I was I was a big fan of of Dave's uh, guitar playing I thought you know and I still think he's amazing but back then pre-internet information was harder to come by and although back then few articles would say you know about the tragedy that he endured nothing more was known and now with this documentary boy I mean you hear people you know just saying how amazing it is and how incredible it is and it really really is um, definitely check it out Morning Sun it's available uh, on demand and check out the interview if you haven't it's really cool so we're gonna go out with a little bit of uh, Jane's Addiction this is one of my uh, all-time favorite songs. It's just it's so freaking cool and just rock and roll and everything you want in a track. So uh West of the Rockies coming right back in just a few minutes. Enjoy this one. Here we go. Open open, open. Your, your,
0: your my,
1: my.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm we are back to the second hour West of the Rockies I'm Frank thank you guys for sticking around I know it's late but boy we're having some spooky fun here to say at the least as always I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter West of the Rockies on Facebook check out the show on Twitter at WOTR Radio and of course the website WotRradio.com. don't forget to give us a like on Facebook Facebook.com forward slash West of the Rockies and as always I'm joined by Genevieve who you can find her on Twitter at Genevieve Uwe if you don't know how to speak well, just go to the website, you'll find that there, <laughs> wtheready.com as always thank you guys for subscribing tuning in we always appreciate it it's what keeps us going here to say the least and yeah it's always a a good hang with everyone. Our guest tonight as you probably know by now is uh, Mario Becerra who is the author of this really really spooky book called Haunted East Los Angeles and I had a great time reading it and I highly encourage people to get it. Mario where can people get a copy of your book?
0: Uh, They can just go to Amazon type in Haunted East Los Angeles and it'll pop up and uh, I'm apparently there are a lot of used copies now that they can get on sale so I encourage everyone to get the used copies because they're cheaper <laughs> so <go> to Amazon.
2: <laughs> I like that I like that just keeping it real keeping it real yeah absolutely. Um, and I believe there's also a Spanish version of this correct
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's called El Este de Los Ángeles Embrujado, Uh, but we're still working out the kinks, but it's in the works and it's coming very soon. It's coming very soon. So stay tuned for that.
2: Uh, So for our Spanish speaking friends, or maybe if you had a friend that, you know, or some family, maybe not proficient in English, but you want them to be scared just like uh, (laughs) I was reading this stuff. uh, Yeah. You can pick up that, that Spanish copy from them. Now we are also being joined by none other than Mr. (laughs) Ernie Alonso of Haunted. Orange County. Good, sir. How hey, are you? you it. How's it going? And I know you just got back from Utah, I believe, correct?
1: Yeah, I was out there for a week. Our good friend Ben Hansen of uh, Sci-Fi's Factor Faked and a bunch of other paranormal programming. Mm-hmm. Um, his family actually started a convention out there. Last year was the first year. It's called PrepperCon. And it has anything and everything to do with um, disaster preparedness. And um, they had over 260 vendors, I believe. Wow. It was pretty huge. It was actually the hugest Harper convention in the country. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they had a huge turnout and uh, just a lot of great products. They had over 80 classes that were going on. Really? Seminars, a lot of cool stuff. But I'm glad I went and got to help them out with that. It was, it was a great experience.
2: So people can be ready when stuff hits the fan, right? That's oh, what that the is event awesome. is about, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Which honestly, I mean, I don't know if people have been keeping up with all these earthquakes happening lately, no, I think. I think I, think I, I should have gone to PrepperCon myself. Yeah, it scares me more. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, they they were talking about that. And then I guess there was a couple of tornadoes in uh, Oklahoma and and some it's of that stuff on the Pacific Rim. It's just Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> tell Ben to stop manipulating the weather to uh, serve his evil purpose. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, we love Ben. Um, Check out the interview with Ben Hanson, also on WTRadio.com. You see, I take every opportunity to plug an interview whenever possible. But Ernie, we're not here just to uh, shoot the breeze because there's some exciting stuff in the works, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, here between uh, yourself uh, and Haunted Orange County and and Mario Becerra and, and the stuff happening in East Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, um, well, me and Mario have been getting together. Uh, pretty regularly and we are working on a, uh, East Los Angeles bus tour, which will be the first for Haunted Orange County and will be our first out of Orange County. Uh, tour that we'll be doing, which, which we're really excited about. Mario has been just a great guy to work with. He really knows his stuff. He's, uh, got things, uh, in the works over there for us already, and, um, we're, we're really looking forward to putting it together. Um, he's got all the stories, um, doing a little bit of extra research to get some more, uh, details, um, on, on some of the, some of the stories. But um yeah I'm really looking forward to uh to being able to go into east l a and and on a bus um you know this time, which will be very cool.
2: that's exciting stuff, and I had the pleasure of going with what what would you call it? like location scouting, if you will, uh, along with Mario yeah. the other time and uh we got to check out all the spots that he covers in the book. um do you have a personal favorite that you are uh excited to take people to
1: well I like the cemetery only because to do a ghost walk and actually get to go into the cemetery, you know, um, cemeteries are usually closed, you know, gates are closed by, you know sunset and you can't really get in there. Um so one of the advantages to be able to do this tour during the daytime is that we're gonna be able to actually get into some of these locations where we otherwise couldn't in the evening. So I think being able to go into the cemetery and kinda of standing in the same areas where some of these people experienced some of these things. They saw the um, goat it's going to be elf. great. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: Where they saw the goat elf. <laughs> the
1: goat elf, elf. Yeah, that. Believe me, that's
2: <laughs> that's the that's the one that got me. I'll tell you. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so I'm uh, yeah, so that's a cool spot. I mean, I always love Linda Vista because I got to go there a couple of times. Probably not as many times as you got to go, but um, you know, we, you know, as you know, when we were there, um, that place looks amazing now it's yeah. just like completely restored oh, yeah. it looks like a 1920s type building and even a little bit that I got to see when they opened up the door mm-hmm. um it's just completely restored oh, yeah. and,
2: and well now it's called what the Hollenbeck uh residential something
1: definitely not as freaky something. anymore
2: yeah <laughs> But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's true, but word on the street is that uh, during the first week or so of, like the first families that moved in, apparently a couple of families left in the middle of the night. Yeah, no, I mean, you can just Google it. There's definitely yeah, there's stories some, uh, floating yeah, around. Yeah, because I mean, everybody, including myself, when we heard of the plans of turning Linda Vista into like housing for the elderly, Didn't I was like, like that idea. is yeah. not the place you want to put people in. And uh, yeah, like I said, every now and then you hear some. Some some scary stories, and you know, we when we were there, we tried to talk to people or see if we can walk in, but obviously now they're private residences, and obviously you know the public can't just walk in there. So uh, yeah,
1: you know, you can obviously tell that they're trying to, to really steer away from that, and mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. have a fresh start. But yeah, we'll see
2: like if the ghosts will let to, them.
1: I know, right? <laughs> no, I'd like to be able to speak to um, you know a security guard or you know somebody that works there on a regular basis yeah. that is there you know, at different hours and, and find out if them or anybody else has experienced anything interesting.
2: Yeah, so if you're a security guard from uh, from that place and you're listening to this, uh, hit up Ernie. He wants to hear all about it. And
1: honestly, so do I. Yeah.
2: Hit me up, too, while you're at it. Um, Ernie, But where can people keep up and see, you know, what the latest developments are with uh, Haunted OC and, and this uh, upcoming tour of Haunted East Los Angeles? Where can people go?
1: Um, they can go to hauntedoc.com. They can go to Instagram at Haunted Orange County, or Twitter at Haunted Orange. We are also working on a tour of Hollywood. And um, Chad is hosting a podcast that he just started. I think it's only once a month. And uh, it's called Haunted Hollywood. And it's kind of focusing on some of the stories. And, you know, he's been living in Hollywood for the past few years now. And, um, and you know, Hollywood's got a lot of great stories, listen. and I know, <laughs> I, I know Mario, um, I hope I'm not, I'm not speaking, uh, out of turn here, or, or kind of giving too much away, but Mario's, Mario's working on a little something. Yes, yes, no, go for it, go for it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No, no, you go for it. Mario's <laughs> working, yeah, Mario's working on, um, On a book having to do with um, a lot of the great stories in uh, old Hollywood, which is going to be awesome. I've always been super interested in that, and it's going to be a great read. Uh And, um, you know, so Chad's doing this this podcast called Haunted Hollywood, and um, we are going to be launching a tour. And I, I told him, you know, he really wants to get it up and running for the summertime, yeah. but um, it would be called Chad Lindbergh's Haunted Hollywood, and it would be a bus tour where he would actually be the tour guide, and we would incorporate some ghost hanging in it. You know, that's that's something that we have in the works as well. And uh,
2: before I let you go, Ernie, I want you to tell us, because there's another cool event uh, coming up uh, fairly soon here, and that is uh, an event with uh, none other than than Travis Walton, who uh, we've had the pleasure to speak to uh, on this show as well, and everybody's probably familiar with the movie Fire in the Sky and all that. Um, I know that that you're planning uh, an event also uh, with Travis. Can you tell people a little bit about what that is all about?
1: Yeah. Um Thursday night we're bringing him out here to uh to the OC and he's going to be doing a uh presentation uh in downtown Santa Ana and he's going to be basically recounting his story that the movie Fire in the Sky was based on and you know for those of you who don't know he was uh, abducted in 1975 and um it's been the best documented case of an abduction because of all the eyewitnesses, the multiple polygraphs that were taken and passed over the years. And um, yeah, it's coming up this Thursday. Uh, we still have tickets on the website. Uh, HauntedOC.com.
2: Oh, I bet what it's going to be out of this world, isn't it?
0: <laughs> wait, wait, it's going to that.
2: be <laughs> out of this world, definitely. <laughs> thank you, folks. I'll, I'm here all week. Uh, <laughs> Ernie, thank you so much <laughs> for all the updates. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely a lot of exciting stuff happening over there at Haunted Orange County. Definitely encourage people to check it out. Check out some of the tours. Some of the Orange County tours are really, really interesting and really, really informative.
0: Thank you so much, Ernie. Yes, Frank, uh, if I can say something yep. about Ernie's tours before he leaves, uh-huh. is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ernie, uh, you know when I first hey. met him, he he. What's up, Ernie? <laughs> he invited me to the uh, Haunted Orange tour. Uh-huh. He said, hey, come on down, so you can see, you know what what haunted haunted OC is about. So I said, yeah, go for it. So I went down, and uh, I got to tell everyone uh, the the tour is so professional, so well planned, so well researched that. Mm-hmm you know, they have it covered and you're there and you just enjoy yourself. And the whole time you're walking around with your mouth half open because the stories are so good, Uh, the logistics are so well planned that you can't help but enjoy yourself. I mean, it, it is one of the best... Uh, uh, Events I've ever been to with regard to to the paranormal because you know Ernie he's a uh, he's uh he's he's a planner he yeah. you know planning haunted East LA you know he I I, th- I he said let's do a tour and I said all right go for it let's start next week and he's like no, we got a we got a, we got about six months of planning here.
2: <laughs> well you know I I I've said this before and I know I'm not the only one because people can honestly just go to their uh, Facebook page and read the reviews. Uh, the haunted Orange County has a reputation for being one of the most professional um, event companies, that's for sure. And uh, I've been on several tours. um, And let me tell you, nothing has yet topped uh, a haunted Orange County event, whether it's a tour, event, or otherwise, or even if it's just one of uh, Ernie's parties. Believe me, they're still amazing. Well.
1: That's yeah. <laughs> well. Thank you guys. Or in the mail.
2: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ernie. Um. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> rent a zoo, rent a zoo. Ernie Alonso, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, thank you Ernie. Thank awesome. right, uh, Ernie. Take it easy okay Bye. good night all right uh, that was Ernie Alonso from haunted Orange County a, a great friend of ours and a, and a great guy and and honestly you know as you can tell we always have a lot of fun talking to Ernie about all things paranormal and not so paranormal um, Mario why don't we g- head back into this book because there there's one more story I want to talk about and then I want to do our top five with you and in your case we're gonna do the top five historical hauntings if you will and I can't wait to hear you talk about them but there is one story in this book well not story but one, one location that you cover in this book that um, I must say it really there is something about this that really got to me and the chapter of it it's The Haunted House on Hubbard Street And the subtitle is Stalking the Night. That particular chapter deals with Richard Ramirez. And Richard Ramirez was apprehended in this street in East Los Angeles. But I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about this particular uh, section of town and what happened there. And why did you include it in your book?
0: Well, Richard Ramirez... uh you know, known as a night stalker. And I'm sure you guys can hear my tone of voice kind of drop a little bit, uh, you know, because it's, it's, it's a really dark subject. Uh, and I, in no way, um, you know, glorify this man because he was a monster and like the, the person that I interviewed, uh, he was a demon. And, uh, you know, the man, in my opinion was the embodiment of evil. But, uh, for those of you that don't know, and, um, if you don't know him, you must be 18 or 19 because uh, you know most people know who he is. Yeah. Uh, this man in the early 80s uh, or mid 80s, he he terrorized Southern California. He, you know, he used to break into people's homes. He'd rape. He'd murder. And his uh, his his method of of uh, you know committing these these horrendous acts was he would he would break into a home. And he would immediately execute the man and then have his way with the woman, you know, and then, uh, execute her as well sometimes. Uh, but, you know, in, in some cases, he used to, he used to use the victim's blood to draw pentagrams, uh, on the wall, which would, you know, signaling the adherence to, to Satan, which was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such a dark, it's such a dark topic that it's hard for me to talk about. But, yeah. you know, the family that, you know, they, they caught him on Hubbard Street in East L.A. He, you know, he had left a thumbprint behind uh, what do you, a rearview mirror and the police had, had linked that thumbprint to a guy who had stolen the car. So his, his picture was all over the newspaper and he came back from Texas because he was in Texas and he was walking down Hubbard Street and everyone started yelling, hey, I I my Maton." Uh, There goes the killer. Wow. So they Uh start chasing him, and, you know, he tries to carjack this this woman while her her husband is putting in fence posts right in front of their house. So what Uh. does the husband do? He takes one of these fence posts, and he runs up to him and he starts beating him in the head. Pretty soon his sons come out. They start beating him in the head, too, and if it wasn't for the police getting there, they would have killed him. I'm convinced uh, my people in East L.A. would have just bludgeoned this man to death. Right, uh, right. So the police the police saved his life. Uh, interesting thing about that day is I lived on Princeton Street, which was one block over. And I was actually there the day they caught him. My mom and my grandfather came out and they said, oh, you know, they, they caught Richard Ramirez, so the, the night stalker. So there we go. And I saw him in the cop car and he was already bandaged. with a white bandage, and Mm -hmm. everyone was lining up to see him. uh, And they took him, you know, to the Hollenbeck station. And, you know, that night, everyone, you know, they had a big... I don't know if it was that night exactly, but they had a big party on Hubbard Street. And I remember the sheriff, and everyone showed up, and everyone just... I don't remember personally because I was a little boy, but, you know, they they tell me everyone partied because they had caught this monster. You know, they Mm -hmm. they needed to get him off the street because he was just such a horrendous piece of humanity that... uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that they dealt with him and they, they put him away.
2: This guy was just bad news. I mean, um, uh, definitely to, to call him the embodiment of evil is almost an understatement when you read about this guy. But tell me a little bit about this particular account that you include in your book about somebody that, like yourself, got a glimpse of Richard Ramirez when he was apprehended. And apparently things spiraled out of control pretty much immediately.
0: Right, right. Well, the family we interviewed, or well, the gentleman we interviewed, he was there the day they caught him, and he saw him. This gentleman that we call Miguel—it's not his real name—but he saw him, and he immediately, you know, there was there was a fascination with him. I mean, if you saw him in the courtroom, if you know, we we'd watch TV, and you see him in the courtroom, and he'd flash the pentagram on, you know, that was uh, carved into his hand or, or yeah, yeah. inked into his hand and you know as a catholic boy growing up you're like wow that's uh that's wow you know that's yeah. scary but uh this guy M- miguel he saw him that day and he you know they say that in order for for your home to become haunted or for your place to become uh you know uh whatever possessed or whatever you want to call it you have to invite it into your home So this guy, he kind of invited into his home because he became fascinated with with Satan and with evil after uh, encountering Richard Ramirez, because he says that was the embodiment of of evil. So that very same night that they caught him, that family started hearing noises, started smelling things. They started hearing these voices all over the house, and the dad kept trying to find out what the heck is going on. They thought... Well, maybe there's a radio on or something, or maybe the neighbors have the radio on. But uh, as much as he searched, there was nothing going on, and they couldn't find the source of those voices. And slowly it escalated. It escalated, and they brought in the local Catholic priest uh, from the church, Our Lady of Lords. And when the priest would come in and bless it, everything would be calm. But as soon as the priest left, uh, you know, family pictures would fall off the, the mantle. And, uh, you know, uh, the house would start to stink horrendously, uh, just disgusting smells coming from the walls to the point where the family was, you know, we got to go. We got to go stay with my, with my sister, the, the mother would say. Uh, and I don't want to give away the whole story, but, you know, it had a lot to do with this young man's fascination with Richard Ramirez and his eventual fascination with Satanism. Right And the Satanism, uh, in conjunction with the Catholicism of of the parents, the parents trying to fight out the evil because all these evil things are happening in their house, and in the meantime, the son is in the back, you know, playing the Ouija board and praying to the devil. So what, what, what happens to a home when both of those opposing forces are in the home? Can you imagine that in, in your house? I mean, the house became... I, I don't, I don't know what you call it, but just spiritual chaos in there. Yeah, it's almost
2: like a, a cautionary tale uh, of sorts because uh, I believe, you know, and I'm not trying to sway. But anybody in any particular uh, belief system or, or faith or religion or what have you but it's not the first time that I hear this type of story that you know somebody becomes infatuated with darkness and you know I enjoy rock and roll and heavy metal and goth music and stuff like that but you know yeah I guess it's it you kind of gotta know where where to draw the line uh, because Absolutely. yeah there there are certain things out there that we don't understand that you want to be careful of at, you know at least that's my opinion when I uh, when people ask me, oh, I want to get into you know paranormal investigating or I want to go check out this place, like well you know do some homework first and you know make sure that it's your cup of tea, right? Because yeah, you never know, you never know, and uh, definitely I would want people to uh, grab a grab a copy of the book and and read that story because honestly it was really heavy. That was that was probably one of the heaviest stories in the book, and that's why I kind of want to save it for the end. We uh, we're almost uh, wrapping up. It's some very very scary and like I said a, a cautionary tale of sorts that I think people uh, should read and, and kind of make up their own opinion on as to what could have happened there. But Mario, before we let you go, as always uh, we do this thing called the top five. And uh, in your case as I mentioned earlier, you picked your top five historic haunted places. And uh, you sent me the list. It's a really interesting list. I can't wait to hear why you picked these places. What why don't we work our way down the countdown boy that was redundant <laughs> but let's start with number five <laughs> which is the queen mary
0: well the queen mary uh you know is it's here in long beach and you know i like haunted locations that have a history to them and the the first thing that strikes me about the queen mary is that you know adolf hitler during world war ii wanted to sink it and they actually had a big reward if you sank the queen mary you know i'd give you i don't know Deutschmarks or whatever wow. they call their currency, uh, but uh, you know the Queen Mary, very haunted. Uh, they used to call it. They call it the Gray Ghost. And uh, there was an incident with a boat called the Curacao, where the Queen Mary was. You know, it was it was going across the Atlantic, and you know it it hit this boat called the Curacao, and you know a lot of uh, a lot of sailors perished in it and you know people go and they visit the uh you know the front of the of the ship i, I don't know my uh, maritime terminology but whatever the front of the ship is called right right <laughs> and uh they can hear these 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 sailors crying out for help and they can hear water you know uh getting into the the queen mary and and uh there are a lot of great stories about the swimming pool and you know, there's a, there's a story that there's an actual vortex there that'll take you into another dimension. Yeah. So, you know, that was uh, one of my favorite choices because it's close by. And also, it's very fascinating. And I've, I've been there a few times. So uh, that was number five.
2: Nice. Uh, number four, we got Little Bighorn Battlefield.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, my wife is from the Black Hills of South Dakota. So, we nice. went out there um, a couple of years ago, and on the way back, she has an aunt in Montana, in Bozeman, Montana. So, we stopped at the Battle of Little Bighorn, uh, famously known as Custer's Last Stand. Right. And when we got there, I immediately felt something's wrong in this place. And my wife, she's not a superstitious person. She doesn't believe in any of this. Um, so, you know, we were walking around, and she stops me, and she says, hey... Do you feel something's off here? I said, what do you mean? She says, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable here. Uh, so for my wife to tell me that, I knew something was going on there. Uh, and, of course, I researched it. You know, where Custer fought the uh, Lakota and the Cheyenne Indians. And people say they see Indian warriors on the bluffs. And, uh, you know, Indians, uh, Indian ghosts dressed for battle. Uh, and strange balls of light and uh, it's just it's if you go there you will know what I'm talking about because it's just, there's a feeling to that place that just, uh, it just stays with you. Yeah,
2: you know, I, it's something that, yeah, I wasn't too familiar with the, the, this particular location uh, as far as being a haunted place. But, yeah, I mean, uh, doing a quick Google search, it does seem like um, uh, people have experienced some weird things uh, there. Uh, let's go to number three, and I've actually had the pleasure of visiting this place, uh, the Tower of London.
0: Oh, Wow. Well, you know, the nickname is the Bloody Tower. Yeah. So, you know, words like torture, execution, murder, suicide, grief, you know, they see headless figures and then gusts of wind when, you know, when the the, the windows are closed and you, you feel gusts of wind. And, you know, again, going back to history, uh, Henry VIII, and, you know, this is where he executed, you know, a lot of people. He, yeah. I mean, Anne Boleyn, his second wife, uh, you know, he, he killed her there because mm-hmm. he wanted to marry Jane Seymour. <laughs> Uh, and the Catholic Church, the Pope, wouldn't give him the divorce, so he said, well, let's just behead her in the Tower of London. And, you know, when you think of someone like Anne Boleyn, who, you know, she rose to prominence and power next to Henry VIII to then... Get tossed away and then executed, beheaded. I don't, I'm not sure she got beheaded, but she got killed in the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the energy that that has to be in the you know the the Tower of London, it's just got to be yeah. so thick. Uh, and they talk about these talking heads. You know, just they just see heads rambling on endlessly, which you know would lend itself to the notion that all the people that got beheaded there. I mean, you know, you have heads they just pop up and they start rambling. It's it's just such a... Such a great historic place, and also Richard the Third, and you know, it, it just—it's just such a great place to, you know, not just the, the hauntings, but the history behind it. Yeah. It's, it's a great great place to talk about.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. That definitely uh, England is not short on uh, history, to say the least. <laughs> Some um, more pleasant than others. Uh, let's go to number two, and let's bring it back to the U.S. This is uh, this was uh, part of the original colonies. This area, Lincoln's ghost at the White House.
0: Absolutely. Lincoln, you know, he's been known, people see him pacing back and forth in the hallways. And when you think about...
2: Is he like murmuring like, this is not what I imagined back then? (laughs) (laughs) This is not what I had in mind.
0: (laughs) You know, he's saying some pretty strong words and nodding his head saying, oh, (laughs) oh, geez. Uh, But can you imagine the torment that man went through when he was, uh, you know the Civil War, sending these young men out to die, and uh, the the responsibility of that—I mean, it's no wonder he's he's wandering the halls because that energy it, it has to stay there. So yeah. a lot of people have seen him wandering the corridors of the White House. And one of the most famous uh, incidents is uh, Winston Churchill, and during World War II, was staying in the Lincoln bedroom, and you know after a bath, because Churchill liked to he liked to drink his scotch and smoke his <laughs> cigars. After a bath, he. Uh, He walks out of the bath and he sees Lincoln's ghost standing there by the fireplace. And he famously says, "Uh, good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have... You seem to have me at a disadvantage because of course Churchill was naked, so uh, oh wow you know i I love that 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 story because I mean Winston churchill i mean it doesn 't get better than that than Lincoln you know
2: <laughs> two very <laughs> iconic historical figures to to say the least you know i 've heard stories about the lincoln 's ghost, and you know I, I guess i 've always been a bit uh skeptical, but I never heard of the uh, uh, of the story involving uh Churchill. So, hey, maybe uh, I should reconsider my whole stance on whether the, the, the White House is haunted. Um, I know that, uh, well, I was going to make a Clinton joke, but you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop myself right there. And Let's go to number one, which is the Bell Witch. What is a Bell Witch? I don't think I know that one.
0: It's a 19th century poltergeist. You know, it's a tale from Tennessee uh, from the early 19th century. It was a guy named John Bell. And he, you know, they dealt, you know, it's the South, so they deal in slavery and, uh, you know, they, it was part of a business deal gone bad. And, uh, you know, this, this woman who they called Kate, the poltergeist Kate, uh, she'd come in and she'd torment uh, John Bell's family. And as a family man, you know, the worst thing in this world is someone messing with your family. I mean you would you would do anything to just stop that. Yeah. So the idea that uh this invisible entity was you know especially tormenting his his young daughter Elizabeth Bell. Uh you know she was getting scratched and bruised and you know uh famously Andrew Jackson went to go find out what was going on on behalf of John Bell and Andrew Jackson was not the kind of man you would mess with. <laughs> and they say that when Andrew Jackson left uh the the Bell witch you know Kate wouldn't let him go, so the the wheels on his wagon they she she made him get stuck so that he couldn't leave and until so she decided, okay, now you leave then finally he left, and you know, I don't know if this is true, but he said that he would rather deal with uh the you know the British than deal with the bell witch again wow. so it's, a, wow. it's a great story, and when she, when John Bell died. The bell witch showed up and she mocked him at his funeral in front of his family. So the story goes. So So not only in life, but in death, this poltergeist went out and made sure that this man and his family suffered. And it's a great story. People should look it up.
2: She went from being the Bell Witch to being the Bell... Ba- anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're keeping it PG. We're keeping it PG. Wow. No, I mean, honestly, that's a very fascinating story. Uh, and uh, these are... Honestly, I'm I, I'm, I'm really happy that you uh, picked these five because some of these, like I said, I wasn't too familiar with. Yeah. And the ones that I was slightly familiar with, I realized that there's a whole lot more to this, these cases that you picked. So, that was, those were really great uh, historical haunted places that, that you shared with with us and i guess that is kind of your mo if if i may use the term you like finding these places they have some kind of uh you know uh, creed you know something to to just make the, the 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 account a little bit more solid when we were talking with ernie he mentioned that you're uh, working on on another book uh tell me a little bit about that and uh, when are you hoping to have that book out
0: well i'm working on haunted los angeles uh-huh. And uh, the first location, where well, we I want to have that out by October. It's just, oh, nice. just the research that goes into it is just so extensive. Of course. Uh, and the first location we are featuring is a Hollywood uh, Roosevelt Hotel. And nice. I've already been there and I've sat there and I've heard, you know, there are stories that you can find on the Internet, but, you know, you actually have to go to the places and and sit there and listen. So the bartender, mm-hmm. I sat there and I listened to all his stories and they were these great stories that you just cannot find on the Internet because these, you know, these folks have worked there and yeah. they yeah. they, you know, these stories of... Rooms where the the cleaning lady walks in and there's a corpse hanging and there's blood on the bed and wow. she runs out screaming and then uh, security comes of course because they think someone's dead and then yeah. security shows up and no one's there. Wow! And then on the walkie-talkies uh, at, at base, you know, the people at the base, they hear voices on the walkie-talkie that the people in the room don't hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful stories, wonderful stories. I want to work on Haunted Los Angeles, and I also wanted to be more representative of, you know, not only Los Angeles as a, as a city, but you know, to celebrate its ethnic diversity. So I want to yeah. go to, uh, you know, South Central. Well, they don't call it South Central anymore. They call it South LA, but I grew yeah. up with South Central. <laughs> that's uh, how you know, I, I knew it, to yeah. Chinatown. I just wanted, I wanted to be representative of, of the whole city because these things that we experience, uh, these paranormal uh, activities that people, you know, they, that's what they call them, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're universal. They're not—they're not specific to a culture or an ethnicity or a race. They're universal, and they've been experienced by people since the beginning of of you know the human race. So yeah. I, I want that to come across in Haunted Los Angeles. So I'm looking for stories. Uh, to tell, so if you know anybody who uh, has a story, I'm I'm happy to listen to them.
2: I think I can contribute at least for two chapters. <laughs>
0: all right, all right.
2: <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it's funny when you mention about this being like a kind of like a universal phenomenon, uh, because you know, we just got back from uh, from a trip to Malaysia, which you know, it's it's in Asia. And it's a it's a Muslim country. You know, the, the government is Muslim. And the main religion is Islam. And it's funny because even there, you know, people, you know, we would talk to people and we would tell them like, hey, yeah, you know, we do this show and we talk about, you know, these kind of topics. And it's interesting because there was one lady in particular who shared with us, not just her story, but photographs and video of some really, really spooky stuff that you know I've seen here in the U.S. You know, on on more than one occasion, and uh, it's it's so it for me it was really scary yet fascinating uh, how this type of occurrences you know literally literally happen. It looks like everywhere in the world, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. this this place is literally, you know, clear across the other side of the Pacific, and I'm watching, you know, this video of something that I can't explain, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's fascinating. It really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, it's going to be an amazing book that that you're putting together because obviously L.A. itself. It's just such a diverse city And I remember when we got a chance to talk To you as you were taking us through the locations You were talking to us About the cemetery and the neighborhood And you were telling us that at one Point there were a lot of uh, a large Number of members of the Jewish community And uh, you know before You know the, the, the Mexican American Community became more predominant And obviously that there, there was a large Number of, uh, of Chinese American uh, Population as well And that's just in this small area of Los Angeles so of course when you expand outside of just like East LA you I'm sure I'm sure you will have your work cut out for you because the amount of stories uh, that I think you will find is is gonna be quite overwhelming but I look forward to see what you put together and uh, definitely want people to keep up with that speaking of keeping up where can people go to find out you know more about the upcoming book and maybe get a a sneak peek at the one that's out now and and, and all that good stuff.
0: Well, for now, all I have is a haunted East Los Angeles Facebook page. So uh-huh. You can go on there, and uh, my updates are going to be posted there right now because that's all I have. But I mean, I'm going to be building a website soon—an author's website—and mm-hmm. uh, so you you'll be able to go there and see what you know what we're up to and. What we're doing and the stories that we're coming out with, so that you know, not only you can find out what what we're doing, but also maybe you you might be a contributor to what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for right now, though, haunted East Los Angeles Facebook, just type that in, and you'll you'll find you'll find us there.
2: Very cool, and the book is available on Amazon, and you can get the English version and the Spanish version is still uh, available, like in in Kindle format, I believe, correct.
0: Yes, it's still available in Kindle format, but if you find an accent out of place, uh, don't get mad at me and don't ask (laughs) me for a refund because. uh, It's it, only four ninety nine, so you, nice. you you can't go bad. You can't you can't go wrong. No, absolutely
2: wrong. not. And uh, and obviously the English version that is uh, uh, still available as a hard copy as well as a Kindle. Okay, cool. So people can take their pick whichever they prefer. Um, Mario, what can I say? It's been a lot of fun. The book is Haunted East Los Angeles uh, by Mario Basera and Victor Weska. Definitely encourage people to check it out. I had a, a again. I don't know if fun is the word I want to use, but I definitely. <laughs> Definitely uh, had a, a, a good time uh, uh, reading this book and, and, and reading about all the uh, these paranormal experiences that people have been experiencing literally just a couple of miles away from here. It's it's, it's yeah, kind of yeah. crazy that the kind of stuff that goes on and you never hear about until you know somebody like Mario goes through all the trouble of putting uh, these stories together. And it's it's uh, well researched. And as Mario has said, you know, the, the, these are the stories that you know are pretty solid.
0: Yeah, and before you. You guys go, Frank and Genevieve. I want to say, and this is—I know this is going to come totally off of left field—but Jane's Addiction is one of the greatest bands (laughs) that has ever existed. I can't believe you guys are playing Jane's Addiction during this interview because I've been such a fan of that band since I was 11 years old. Oh wow! You know, Perry Farrell, Dave Navarro, Stephen Perkins, Eric Avery—yeah, one of the greatest bands that has ever, you know, that has ever graced my ears. So you guys doing that thing with Dave Navarro, and I know uh, I heard about what he went through with, with, you know, with the tragedy that he suffered, but uh, what an amazing band. And I don't care what anybody says, James Addiction is one of the greatest bands that has ever, ever existed. So thank you for doing that.
2: Eh, No problem, no problem. Just uh, for you, of course, (laughs) we planned that. (laughs) Fun fact, I actually actually, uh, took Dave to Linda Vista once. He wanted Did to check you? it out. Yeah, uh, I don't think a whole lot happened, uh, really. But hey, it was, but, hey, <laughs> it was it, it, you know it was it was interesting. You know that place is definitely well was definitely vivy, but uh, yeah, if people go, I have a, a, a Tumblr page somewhere where you see a little. If you look closely, you can see him there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Mario, thank you so much for taking the time for being with us. Like I said, it's it's been a, a lot of fun. And uh, you your book, is it's incredible. And like I said, we're going to be uh, keeping up with you and, and looking forward to the next installment of your uh, book series and the for tour. sure. And the tour. And the tour. All and right. the tour, definitely. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you and uh, being on. And I know we'll be seeing you soon.
1: Yes,
0: absolutely.
2: Awesome. Absolutely,
0: Frank. Genevieve, thank you so much for uh, for this time. I had I had I don't know if fun is the word we want to use, but, Frank seems, uh, but thank, thank you. you, thank you, folks, so much. You guys are, are great, and I listen. Everyone listened to their other interviews because they're really good. I listened to a bunch of them, and they were so good. These guys, uh, they they're they're great interviewers. So listen oh, to their thanks. their shows.
2: Thank you, thank you for the kind words. Thank you. All right, guys, take you it guys easy. Have a great evening. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. That was uh, Mario Becerra, author of Haunted East Los Angeles. Again, go get this book. Honestly, it's it's only a few bucks, and it it's a good investment. For your paranormal scary story library, believe yeah, me, this is the kind of stuff. For new one. Yeah, you actually did a little uh, Periscope reading uh, uh, a couple of weeks back, yeah, or a well, few weeks back, we, and we uh, people were tasters, enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you you were reading the short little snippets. We realized that, yeah, no people dug it, and as we encourage people on that Periscope, and we encourage people Definitely now, not bedtime go reading. pick it. Yeah, it's not bedtime reading. <laughs> But uh, definitely pick up a copy because yeah, it's uh, it's really fascinating. I mean, I love all this stuff. That being said, Genevieve, it's been a pleasure as Frank. always. <laughs> it's it's good to be back. I don't know about you, but I missed I missed doing this show. We were going yeah, for like no, three no, weeks it, and uh, it. It feels like a long time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we had a great guest to kick things off again. Oh, definitely. And of course, a big shout out to Ernie Alonso. Check out Haunted Orange County and uh, be on the lookout for those tours. Be on the lookout for the next book. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Don't forget to follow our show on Twitter at WOTR Radio. Check out the website, WOTRradio.com. If you miss any part of this interview, it'll be posted there and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash. WTR Radio. As always, Genevieve, Genevieve Uwe on Twitter. Boy, I've had a blast. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get any sleep tonight after all this, but you know it's been it's I'll been read a, a good hang. Of stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not not from this book though, because yeah, that'll just lead to some bad nightmares. That's how you know it's a good scary I was book. Say, that's yeah, like that's long actually long an long. endorsement <laughs> to the book, I should say. <laughs> and that being said, take care, be safe, God bless, don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. We're gonna go out with a little bit of uh, I love this song, honestly, Metallica. Everybody says that after the Black Album, things kind of got a little little sketchy. But you know what? Load, even though I wasn't a fan when it came out, a few years later, I popped it back into my CD player, and I was like, you know what? It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. And this track was definitely my favorite track. Metallica, King Nothing. We'll see you guys next week. Till then, au revoir. Good night.
1: West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM Los Angeles.